Welcome to Eterna. Keep your dice rolling, your friends close, your monsters closer, and don't let the old gods bite. This podcast is an Eldritch Dream Games production. A dark fantasy Pathfinder game laced deep with cosmic horror. I would like to thank the patrons that make this possible. Brian Bridges, Brian Rafe, Donald Bewley, Eric S. Pat, Robin Mims, Tim Demuse, Undead Fish, and Wesley Sullivan. Stay tuned after our tale to hear what these glorious people have in the works. But for now, let us listen. Last time on Dungeon Ball Z. You all had been in the Black Keep. You had come to meet the drow whose name I wrote down and promptly forgot. Uh, you came to meet the drow Delrex, a worshipper of the demon lord Yidothras, and Sershan, the female tiefling who appears to have some heritage amongst lizard folk and the Kaal that Shadow had been seeking Ekron Leaf uh, albeit uh, stressed by what he has seen with the aid of the silver flame uh, served a large venison dinner to the group whilst uh I believe Riley was out collecting sticks and Brock had gone, had had left the area to keep himself away from the the drow, which we may get into. Uh, but he had said that he was going to go speak with the council. And given that a lot of attention was focused on the group back at the table, I think we're going to start there. You are headed to the... Uh, to the central chamber to speak with the council that had sort of formed as a pseudo government for the small settlement. Uh, what did you want to go speak with them about and with who? Uh, well, it seemed like that Jurassic guy was the reader or the leader, correct? Uh, he did seem to at least take a leadership role, or at the very least, have the most to do with what was being discussed. Yes. Uh, then I suppose he would be the one that Brock would seek or uh, you know if they're in a group he would just approach them as a group but if Drax is by himself he would approach him alright so when you enter the uh, what has been essentially converted into the meeting room uh, Draxa is in there he's speaking with Feldwit the halfling among the council whom no one's really conversed much with yet okay uh yeah he would just kind of approach the pair and uh he would just kind of you know kind of nod to them like you know acknowledging that you know maybe they see him or whatever but if they're talking he would kind of let them finish up and let them kind of acknowledge him first i guess uh, they turned their attention to you. It seems that they were just having casual conversation, nothing of imp- great importance. Uh, okay. And uh, Draxel, Draxel, 
uh, speak out. Ah, uh, yes, Brock, was it? Uh, he'd give a nod. He'd say, uh, yes, um, I had just come to, I, I suppose, get an understanding of your council and how you run things here. If, uh, if it wouldn't be too much trouble for you to discuss that. No, I suppose not. As far as our group, we're not truly in charge in any official capacity, but the people of our respective groups trust us well enough to work in their interests, and we are stronger together as a whole than we are as separate groups trying to inhabit the same space. So, well, each of us plays to our specialities. And, uh, by what means are your groups kept separate? There's people from different places more familiar with each other. There's a large group uh, of which Feld, Feldwit here is a part of, and they're all from a particularly small community that was a part of Starlight before it fell. So they're all quite familiar with each other, and while not insular, definitely more comfortable with themselves and their own interests as everyone is looking out for their own those who don't fall into any particular category are watched over by lust have no attempts been made to bring these groups together we work together well as far as it goes but in the long run each of us have different interests and wants for opportunity none of us really want to stay here forever it's a safe place for now and we hope until things tide over but this isn't home if you do not intend to stay here then where are you going to attempt to go that's part of the reason we're still here trying to figure that out starlight's completely in shambles the city of storm bluff was hit hard and well the command structure of the area has become according to those we've spoken with rather strict and in a time of crisis it is better that we all work a bit together as opposed to being commanded by those who are already in power when you say strict is this an actual the, government? The city government, yes. Not true Noctis government that found its heart and starlight and just like the city destroyed. But as with many of the cities in Noctis, they're mostly self-governing, having their own forces, militias, and governmental structures. So to a degree, yes, it is the government. But well. I believe at this point it's more centralized to those who remain after the calamities and in addition to that those who hold not only power but money so you're worried about introducing yourself into such a place i suppose the people here have little left to their names they would certainly become instantly bottom class citizens huh. and have there been any conflicts between your your groups there have been no outbursts, but there are differing ideals and differing 
thoughts on how we should proceed and what should be done. Uh, as you may be aware, the inner structure of the fort here is still somewhat waylaid with traps, undead, and a few other things that we're unsure of. We've sealed them off and keep them out, but the druid freedom, he, uh, he is supposed to be helping with that, which will at the very least ease some minds amongst our people here. I'm sure having more space to uh, accommodate your people will um, will certainly allow them to at least get away from each other for a moment. There are many that are uncomfortable with those that Lest watches over because he will not allow those who are underrepresented to be treated without a certain level of, I shan't even call it respect, but process, shall we say. So the drow, I believe his name is Delrex. He's a worry to many people here, especially given the altar that was found here when we arrived and some of the other things deeper in the keep. We worry that his worship is in some way tied to such things and may inflame them, but he is protected under Lest's group, and thus he is given a place, but we keep a close eye on him. Is anything known about him, his history, where he comes from? We know he's from Voidosa. We know he worships some form of demon of exactly what or which we are not entirely sure of. He's not allowed in this room, nor is he allowed in some of the deeper chambers, though so far it's not been a great issue. He seems content enough to keep to himself. Is it known why, um, why he has come to the surface and chosen not to remain underground? There's a fair number of rumors about it, but None we can say for certain. Uh, there would be kind of a clear distaste, I guess, when speaking about the drow. And uh, he would say, he would just kind of quickly shift the conversation and he would just say, uh, and the others that are under him? Aside from those who simply were travelers that happened to be in the wrong place at the wrong time when everything went to hell, the tiefling lizard woman, the fetchling Ekron, and there's also a few half-orcs that were apparently not from more civilized societies that are under his purview. Hmm. Well, I suppose even, even if it is a drow, someone should stand up for, uh, for those who don't have anyone to speak for them. It is uh, it is unwise to let their voices go unheard. Well, in Lest's benefit, he's been unproblematic for the most part. There have been no instances in which I can tell where he has made any issue unprovoked. 
However, there are many here who do not want a demon worshipper in their midst, especially given their propensity to cause swift and violent problems. Brock would give kind of an understanding nod. He would say, I, uh, I understand this concern uh, very well. Having, uh, having lived near a large society of them, I, uh, I know what they, uh, they do with the people that they, uh, they have power over. So, it is wise to keep him watched. Well, it is also our benefit that he is one and alone, and that the tiefling doesn't seem to take much of a liking to him. Um, I am unfamiliar with tieflings, um... Are they of a similar nature? They have the blood of fiends running through them. Given the incongruous features of the woman, I'd imagine she's in some way related to the abyss, thusly demons. And some have called some worry about the markers in this place and the fact that there are not one but two involved with demons that have come to this place in this time of chaos and mourning. Do you think there is something here that draws them? There is something, yes. I'd prefer not to discuss it in broader company, uh, if you'd like. I've already spoken with Freedom about it a small amount, but please, if you would like, we may speak about it. I would, yes. Uh, it is It is probably wise that I be informed. Very well. Come with me, and he will step out of the room. And Brock would follow. Feldwit will follow, and uh, the three of you, um, should you follow him, head into a part of the keep you've never been to before. More on the north side, there is a barred door in which uh, a lock is set. Feldwit will pull out one of the keys and undo the lock, opening it. Within, you smell uh, and. Actually, give me a perception check, because you have special bonuses to smell, don't you? <laughs> uh, yeah, I think so. Um, yeah. I get, uh, I guess add an additional three to that, so 27. Okay. So, it's definitely a little musty inside, but you can smell a scent that reminds you of death very very old death like the scent of dry bones moistened and just rinse and repeat until there's just a smell that isn't anything else but a long since decayed and equalized corpse and you look around and you can see bars across several recesses in the walls this is obviously some sort of holding area jail cell uh, or dungeon you can hear a light creaking sound coming from several of these cells you can look closer if you'd like or you can follow them straight across the room to the next door uh, you notice that neither of them look particularly easy about being here yeah I, I imagine with the smell like Brock's face would just kind of be like yeah, you know, he's trying to be stoic as always but it'd probably just be like 
obvious that he's kind of uncomfortable here as well. Are whatever is in these, is there stuff in the cell or is it just hard to tell? If you take a closer look, the barred sections are relatively narrow, but you take the time to look and you can see several skeletons uh, within the cells that are animate. They kind of cloister towards these openings as you walk by. Uh, do you get very close to them at all, or do you stay near the middle of the room? Oh, no, nah, it's clear that they're just undead. And, uh, you know, these other two are making it clear, point to, like, walk by them. Then he's just going to really quickly return to following them. He's going to try not to aggravate these things if uh, they're not already ag- aggravated. So you would notice as you walk away, though, that their gazes follow you as you walk by. And once you're out of sight, you kind of hear them, their bones creaking again, and they seem to spread out throughout the room again instead of clutching to those front bars. The next door opens, and you notice... Very uneasily, Draxa will step in uh, this way. Feldwit will stay outside the door, uh, and he, he seems to be holding it open for you. Is Draxa actually going in, or is he just kind of motioning for Yes, Dra- Draxa has stepped in, but Feldwit does not seem... And Feldwit is kind of uh, shivering visually. Yeah, then I'm going to follow trying to to figure out what's terrifying these people so much so you stand in a long uh, room it's probably about 20 feet wide uh, like as you enter the door but easily 60 feet long it descends gently uh, downward throughout the entirety of the room they're halfway through. There is a f- sort of a flat space where it's no longer stepping down, and that continues for a few feet, and then it steps back down again. And there's another flat space at the far end of the room. Uh, since you have dark vision, you'd be able to see all of this. There are a variety of symbols uh, that look similar. Uh, you you can't read a bustle, can you? Uh, not that I can think of off the top of my head. You can see uh, that there are on the floor and walls several symbols that look similar to those that had been on the altar prior to it being destroyed by the new denizens of this fort. Large circles uh, line the floor with intricate symbology placed within them on the central step. And on the very far wall lie two sconces that are unlit and a large face-like protrusion carved or embossed into the far wall at the final bottom step. Draxa Uh, will... Oh, sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say Brock would look at it kind of uneasily and just kind of motion to it. What... What is this? We're not entirely sure, but we, upon seeing these demonic symbols, tried to destroy them as we did the altar in the central room, but they resist being 
harmed. You can see here, and he'll motion to a, a sigil or rune at the side of the room where there are cracks around it, but for about an inch out from any given part of the symbol, it is completely unmarred. It, we were unable to, to hurt it, and a few people have said that that, and he points at the face on the far wall, has spoken to them. It has spoken to them? Yes. Does anyone know the meaning of these symbols? There are none here that know how to read the demon's language, but, well, I suppose the drow might, but we won't allow him in here. We don't know what he could do with this. Unless has agreed to that much. Is the drow aware of this door? Or this I'm sorry? face? I said, is the drow aware of this face or whatever this is at all? We're not sure. Some people are certain that he's here for it exclusively. But there's no evidence to point to that. But we'd rather play it safe than sorry. And have you tried talking to it? No. With everything that we've heard, the few that have heard it speak to them, it offers them something. It says for a price. Given all of this, I don't think we want anything from it. Hmm. That is uh, that is probably wise. Demons and their like often do not make fair deals. So whatever it offers you, it will likely take much more in return. But we've been unable to get rid of this and everything around and some foul magics here. We were hoping that that druid that came with you all could help in some way, but perhaps he can, perhaps he can't. But this is definitely something that makes people uncomfortable. Has he had a chance to look at it at all? Or... I don't think he has yet. I think uh, this might need to be moved to uh, to a higher priority on our uh, on our list of objectives here as uh, whatever this thing is certainly needs to be dealt with or at the very least understood from what we can tell uh, up here we're safe as far as we can tell but once you cross the central step nobody has heard it that hasn't crossed that point so we know that much and has anything happened to those that have no thankfully they were sound enough of thought to not begin speaking back to it Brock would kind of give a nod you would say uh, this is this is likely the wise thing um, hold on one second okay uh, I should uh, I should probably 
inform the others of this. This is something that they would they would likely want to know. Very well. We will relock the entryway again when we go when we leave, but I thought you would like to see. And he motions back outside the door. Yeah. Uh, Brock would begin leaving, but as they start heading out, he would ask, uh, these cells, uh, has, has no one attempted to clear them? Your druid friend said that that would be easy enough for him to do, but we figured while they're locked within, it's safe enough. They are unable to escape? As old as they are, this structure is strong, especially here in its heart. And we fear what magics may have infected them with that thing so close. Hmm. Yes, and it probably would be best to wait until freedom has a moment to uh, to aid in clearing them. And it would be best not to do so myself then. Indeed, unless you think there's something that you can do. Uh, I feel I can can likely kill something as simple as a skeleton, but if you fear that there is greater magic at work, then that is not my specialty. Very well. We are simply unsure. None among us are mages. Uh, and neither am I. I, uh, I lack the ability to sense it. So, if there is something more powerful here, I would, I would not know. I see. Uh, let's get out of this creepy place. Uh, yes, that would, uh, that would certainly be best. And he and Feldwit will quickly walk back out to the other side of the room. And once you're all outside, uh, lock the door back up and bar it. Okay. Yeah. Brock would quickly exit the room, not wanting to, uh, aggravate the skeletons or anything else anymore. So you exit the room. Uh, Draxa nods to you. Is there anything else you need from me? Uh, at the moment, I think not. Uh, as I said, I should probably inform the rest of my group of, uh, of this. and Maybe we need to speak with Freedom about what he intends to do about it. Very well. I'll leave you to it then. Uh, you know it your way to where you need to go from here? I'm sure I can find it, yes. Then I wish you the best, Mr. Leonhard. And Same to you. I suspect we'll see you soon. Hopefully. And he would kind of give him a nod and head off to find probably Riley first, but just whoever he runs into first, I guess. Okay. Uh, Riley, uh, you would probably know. He was outside the keep somewhere, gathering sticks. Uh, and everybody else would be at the table with the drow that you're trying to avoid. So, you going looking for Riley? Okay, now if everybody else is still... Yeah, that would make more sense to not wander out in the woods. Uh, so he'd probably go back to the table. Okay. Uh, you had left a bit earlier from that so we'll bring you back in uh leaf you had been uh with shadow outside uh eating with uh 
Zershan, Delrex, and Ekron. Indeed. You had you had seen a powerful uh, silver light coming off of Delrex, and an odd sight you hadn't seen before with Zershan, where there was a thrumming inner glow of the light, uh, as if her bones, her very uh, inner being, were glowing with the light. So, how would Leaf and Shadow like to? Uh, proceed before Brock is reintroduced. Uh, Mr. Goldrush, you are right. This lemon pepper does taste good on venison. Uh, its applications never cease to amaze me. I would not have thought of this. Thankfully, we have uh, Riley Morheim as our positive influence uh, for culinary exploits. I will have to, uh, when I return home, take some lemon pepper with me and teach the ones at the temple about it. Well, we certainly have a surplus. All right. So, Brock, when you come back, they're talking about lemon pepper. Perhaps if I concentrated enough and uh, add it to boiling water, I might be able to make a tea out of this. Well, I would like to try that. Uh, <laughs> Brock's seriousness, I suppose, would be lightened by the uh, by the talk of lemon pepper, as lemon pepper always uh you know, brings everything up a little bit. <laughs> but as he as he gets to the table, he would kind of sit down probably opposite wherever the drow is and uh, kind of lean into his group. And he would say, when we have a moment, uh, there's something I need to discuss with the two of you and Riley and uh, possibly freedom as well. Just, just making a a quick sense motive to, to notate down Brock's racism. Uh, Mr. Leonhardt, if it is important, I can run out and fetch Mr. Morheim back. It is not a, a problem. Is it? Um, yes, it is probably best that we have this conversation as soon as possible. Okay. Then uh, you talk to the Freedom and Void and tell them to ready themselves and I will go fetch Mr. Morheim. So tracking Mr. Morheim as he has box with him is not particularly difficult, but go ahead and roll me a survival check. Oh, let me see if I have any of that. I think I do. Yes, I do. Not a lot, though. Uh, 13. All right. So with Box's big ass deep footprints, not a hard track. Uh, you don't necessarily find him, but if you call his name out every once in a while... Mr. Marheim! Uh, he will be able to hear you because <laughs> you'll get close enough. <laughs> yeah, um, when <clears throat> Riley hears the uh, telltale signs of shadow in the distance, he'll give a uh, sharp whistle to uh, show where he is, I guess. Oh, I did not know that you could talk like a bird. Yes, I've spent uh, many weeks practicing in my youth. Tweet, okay. tweet. Well, the Mr. Leonhard says that we must all have a conversation that is, is important. Riley looks down to like this huge bundle of sticks he has in his arms and then like looks back up and says, um, I assume this is important. That is what he says. More important gathering wood. I can carry the sticks back. 
Well, if we're all going back, I may as well carry what I have and Box has the rest of it, so... Yes, I suppose. Oh, you are a gentleman. You do not make me carry things. This is nice. (laughs) He chuckles. Well, I'm only... um, Well, you have my apologies for having to run all the way out here to come fetch me. Oh, it is not that far from me. Oh, that's right. How do you move so quickly anyways? I I don't know. The black butterfly, she uh, gives me special gifts so that I can do my job. And this is one of them. Uh, Riley's eyes kind of narrow a little bit. And then he's going to like look over to Box and just like visually see whether or not Box is capable of carrying what Riley has in his hands. I would like to assume so. Yeah, Box can carry a lot. So He can uh, carry you as well. Riley's just going to uh, nod a little bit and he's going to pass Box all the stuff he's carrying. And then he's going to walk back over to Shadow and uh, rub his hands together and say... All right, I know that I'm probably going to lose, but I would like to race you back to the keep. Box had never seen such bullshit. Oh, this is going to be fun. I will give you a hit start, okay? (laughs) Yes, yes. Uh, You give me what you think is fair of a head start. Okay. Uh, Just uh, whistle again when you are almost there. Oh, you're letting me determine my head start. (laughs) (laughs) Sure. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, Riley will um, give us a good old college try. He's not going to bullshit around or anything. Um, he will sprint as relatively quickly as he can. And um, he, he's not going to like give himself too much of a head start. He's mostly going to wait to whistle until he's, I don't know, 20, 30 feet away. <laughs> Uh, yeah, she can walk faster than you, so can run probably. So, <laughs> as to be expected, speed is hard coded in Pathfinder. There's no way around it. You will always <laughs> move faster than I will. <laughs> Not if you take the same uh, mythic uh, stuff that I took. Oh, then we'll move the exact same speed and can never beat each other. Right? Yeah. Until somebody takes fleet. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, I love wasting feats to win a or race. Or get some special boots like Annabelle had. Uh, there was, there is like a mechanic for chases and stuff that involves like skill checks and stuff. Oh yeah, yeah Sean, break those out. I've done it before. There's the skill check ones. Uh, there's flat plane chases, which are uh, based on fortitude checks or fortitude saves, stuff like that. But yeah, if it's just a speed race. Uh, over flat ground, you need uh, you need to have a head start and be more endurant. Um, who wants to, who wants to run a marathon against Brock? <laughs> so Riley, he's apparently just a glutton for losing. Okay, so how much of a head start did you give yourself, Riley? At, it, uh, between twenty, we'll call it twenty-five feet. About. All right, so I need both of you to make me an acrobatics check. This is not a jumping acrobatics check to note, so you don't get a speed bonus, uh, Tracy. Um, but what are your speeds? Just uh, just so I have that. It's 30 and what? My speed is 60. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and uh, I get a plus 11 to my acrobatics. So. Okay. I rolled an 18. <laughs> I okay. also rolled an 18 on the die. <laughs> 
but my plus 12 brings it to a 30. Okay, Ooh. so you're both able to move gracefully throughout the undergrowth roots and uh, and trees weaving between them. However, uh, very much so. Uh, Shadow is the quicker individual, <laughs> and when you make your way out of the out of the woods, she is standing there waiting for you. Yeah, behind you just hear, and Box comes running out like branches breaking around his shoulders and head, <laughs> and just like just like kind of like plows, and like when he gets out of the woods, there's just like mud slopping up around his feet as he skids to a stop. Yeah, so Riley will uh, catch up to Shadow after she's been waiting for a little bit, I guess. And he'll, like, catch his breath and then say, at least I wasn't last. And just kind of gesturing to Box. <laughs> this is true, but I was a little afraid he would not be able to stop and he would squish us. Oh, I'm sure we could dodge. <laughs> so you have both arrived. Box is, Box is hanging out where he fits. I, I take it you rejoin the rest of the group. Mr. Leonard, I found him. I, I forget the exact detail. Has Riley seen uh, Del Rex and Zirshan? Um, I want to say... Yeah, I, he, I, he ate with us before I sent him out to collect sticks. Okay. Yeah, he's familiar. All righty then. Yeah, so uh, Riley will say, yes, I have been found. This is This is a conversation... He'd kind of glance at the drow and a little bit at the tiefling. He'd just say that should likely be had in private. Oh, that is what the room is for, so everybody can hold hands again. Oh, yes, the conference room. <laughs> I guess guild matters only. Guild members and associates of the guild only. The, f- the freedom in the void can come. Yeah, they're associates of the guild. Um, has anybody gone to go collect freedom whilst, uh... Yeah, while they were out, uh, Brock probably would have gone and got them. Okay. So, the lot of you, poof, and are in the small room of, uh, Shadow's Sanctum. Well, I don't think I'll ever get used to that, to be honest. Oh, but it is fun, Mr. Warheim. It's strange. It's very strange. And it is so pretty in here because of the starlight, but you cannot see well. So somebody needs to turn on some lights. I will turn on some lights. Brock pulls out the Star Forge, and you'll notice uh, that within this place that the lights seem to twinkle a little bit brighter than normal. Oh. It is pretty. But yeah, Brock would make, I guess, kind of like a ring around them of the light, so that way the room is well lit. I do not have chairs, but everybody grab a big pillow to sit on. <laughs> yeah, Riley's just uh, Riley's going to um, kind of meander around a little bit, just like looking, I guess, at the stars and the light and all that stuff um, while the discussion's going on, at least for a little bit. He'll take a seat eventually, but... You would likely come to notice that the stars are peered from between gaps in what appear to be large uh, wings that are wrapped around the chamber. Uh, And they also kind of peer through the material itself, but upon close inspection, uh, they are in fact solid. What does the material feel like? Have you ever touched a butterfly's wings? That sort of silky feeling? 
Uh, I've never pinned a butterfly to the ground and stroked its wings, no, but I can take your word for it. Uh, did uh, Freedom's butterflies come with him, or are they outside? Uh, they are outside. Uh, and Freedom will be like, so what is this about, then? Question first. Does everybody take a pillow, or are we all still just standing? No, uh, Shadow sits down. Uh, Void and Freedom would both sit. Uh, yeah, I guess Brock will take a pillow too then. Uh, <laughs> Which they are like sitting pillows. That's what they're for. Oh, okay. I imagine, I imagine like a big bag chair. Is it okay that I brought my food in here? Yes, that is fine. It is fine. You just clean up after yourself if you drop anything, please. <laughs> of course. Uh, Freedom's the one that asked, right? about yes freedom is okay yeah he would he would look at freedom and he would say well uh i think you have already been told at at least some of the issue but i have witnessed he would kind of turn to the other people there you know kind of telling them now that there is some kind of demon structure under this uh this keep yeah yes uh i have been informed of this it's definitely among the things that I'm looking to try and deal with, though, given the knowledge imparted onto me by Draxa about the subject, I'm not entirely sure it's within my power. The undead issue, however, is well within. Demons are not something I know a lot about. Perhaps we should write this in word to truth? It was something I'd considered. If it's not a threat for now, then it can perhaps be dealt with later. But I would like to make an attempt while I'm here. Have you seen these demons? It is, as I said, some kind of structure. There are runes and a face in the wall that Drexa said speaks to people and asks for some kind of deal. Foreboding. So... Both Leaf and Riley are from the light side of the world. Both of you also hail from either Solaria or a place near to the border of Solaria. Go ahead and make me either a knowledge history, knowledge planes, or knowledge uh, history. Or not history, again, (laughs) fucking religion check. (laughs) Let's do some planes. That's a net one for nine. I got a 15 religion. Off to Um, a good start. So while this doesn't like scream demon to you, Riley, you are aware of um, what are known as face doors in a few very old sites in Solaria of which um, beings are held within a structure and become a part of that structure and they kind of watch over it and sometimes they're sometimes it's people sometimes it's outsiders uh sometimes it's a demon door from fable yes Um, (laughs) except without the door part um they are sometimes known to actually obstruct entry to a place but uh this one uh this is just kind of what 
brings up in your head. It's something vaguely familiar to you, not something you've experienced directly. Oh, well then um, once he uh, kind of pieces that together and just had at the mention of everything, um, Riley will say, that reminds me of some things I've heard about uh, things called face doors. Apparently entities can be kept within them, uh, becoming like the object or the door, and they watch over the region, perhaps barring entry or some such thing. Perhaps a demon has been forced into this door for one reason or another. If it is offering deals, it is a very dangerous thing because as the times get more desperate, people are more likely to fall prey to it. Well, let's ask the big question. Brock, is this door made of stone? It appeared to be for confirmation. Uh, Yes, I believe it to be made of stone, yes. Can you stone manipulate it? I I don't really know. I did not try. That might be a dangerous thing to do because what if it gets out? There's no guarantee that uh, we are strong enough to stop it. Yes, but there's no guarantee that we're weak enough not to stop it. And my powers as of right now tend to work better on loose material, not those that are built into a wall or some such. We could bury it. Possibly, but uh, then that would prevent the people who can actually do something about it from doing something. Yes, and sometimes adding earth to evil things is not the best option. Its influence could seep in and spread. I think the best option would be for you to send for truth and let him help you because this is the kind of thing that he is trying to deal with and I can uh, just uh, not uh, be here when he arrives. I believe that may be an option. How long would it take him to get here? How long would it take him? I don't know. It would depend how long it took the message to reach him, but he would travel through the shadow plane and would get there in almost no time because he knows how to go through all the portals and the different places and get where he needs to go very fast. And he can he can do the shadow walk. Assuming huh. he's not out doing something elsewhere in which our message will not reach him until he returns, the message would take some time. Likely, if we follow our path back, I'd say some weeks, maybe two or three and then his ability to move will shorten his distance considerably. So I would say a reasonable expectation from now would be about a month. Hmm. That is a long time to let this problem go unsolved. And this problem has been unsolved for a month already and likely a long time before. The people here are keen enough to leave it where it lie. And I don't see that changing. There seem to be worries among the uh, the council members that certain members are not so keen to do so. And who are these people that they worry about? Well, the man that worships demons and the woman who bears the appearance of one. I've only met them for a few moments, so it's not a judgment I would make. But A person who does worship demons is more likely to seek their power or aid 
that would be worrisome. But these same people, they are, they are some of the ones that seemed uh, eager to leave, to have some safe place to go where the, they would not be persecuted. So perhaps the best answer is for the to help them move on. And then it is not a, such a big worry. If this is an option, I think then the time needed to wait would be far less an issue. Truth, uh, truth is specifically tasked with understanding and destroying the forces of evil, whether they be demons, devils, demons, or other dark things. He is undoubtedly busy in this time, but if we can remove any potential factors that could inflame the situation, that would be good. As well as giving these people a place to go to where perhaps they will not be so sequestered and forced. Do we have such a place? I said, do we have such a place? The road alone is such a place, but aside from that, we could take them back to the mountain. There they will be cared for and allowed to do then what they wish. And there is the, the house that we that Ruth and I own that is in the village for those that are not comfortable staying at the temple itself. Indeed. So long as they do not cause any harm to the others, they will be left of as they like. But this is all, this is all just ideas. Mr. Morheim, they say that this is your guild. What do you want to do? To be honest, I am not an expert in opposing demons or entities that are locked within a door. And the uh, mysterious and arcane circumstances of these things are a little bit out of my reach of problem solving. My inclination, however, is to um, personally take a hands-on approach and attempt to solve and examine problems directly, being the door, the undead problem, the traps here, all of that. However, in starting to consider the grander notions of not only uh, my quest, but all of our quests, I feel like I have to consider setting aside such immediate impulses and if we can guarantee the security of this place for the time it would take for someone with the experience necessary to solve this issue, then that frees us up. And I think it's worth pursuing. As far as the more driving potential threat of the undead, this is something that I can deal with. I can banish the dark energy within them and send their bones back to rest. As far as the spirits trapped here, I can take the time in which we have to wait for truth to arrive to comfort the souls and send them on their way. As far as this demon door, however, I would prefer to have him here uh, before any drastic measures were taken. If there are any undead in which I experience difficulty, I would gladly accept any aid. Mr. Morham is a very good fighter, Freedom. He can help you. With any luck, there'll be no fighting needed. From my understanding, the skeletons, at least in the chamber, are 
well trapped, and with that, easily disposed of. Still, you are our, you are my daddy, and I would feel better if you had somebody down there who could fight, so that if something went wrong and something got out, there would be somebody to help defend you. Um, of course, then. Yes, you may as well Mr. make use of our services while we're here. Well then, Mr. Morheim, if you wouldn't mind, I'd enjoy some company whilst disposing of these poor individuals. You will watch after Otto and take care of him, yes? I don't believe I've let anyone down before. Thank you. I do not want to, to lose another father, okay? I understand. And Void has been quite silent this whole time. Uh, but uh, Shadow, you would of course know that as far as um, as far as things such as undead go, uh, his speciality is not in their destruction, nor is he particularly well versed in the um, dealing of outer beings. His entire speciality and purview of his position mostly lies with dealing with people. So uh, Riley would like to say uh, kind of as a follow-up after uh, like a moment of silence after Shadow's uh, comments about losing a father um, he'll uh, kind of break that silence by saying all right well we have an immediate plan for the undead problem here at least to get uh, steps up on it. I think um, the other thing that was brought up was giving the quote-unquote questionable individuals that Brock has pointed out somewhere else to go than here may do well in um, seeing this plan through. Well, I have spoken to them before about maybe traveling through the temple. Um, they were kind of non-committal on it, but they did say that they wanted to leave. Um, so if uh, somebody maybe wants to see if, if they don't want to go to the temple, maybe they could follow us to Stormbluff. I do not know that I am the right person to be talking to them, though. The 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 beautiful dark elf man, he does not uh, seem to to like me. He talks better with uh with Mr. Goldthrush. Riley kind of uh, gestures to Leaf and says, Leaf, you can be rather pleasant and convincing. Would you like to befriend a couple of outcasts? Certainly, although I can't say I've had much luck so far, uh, but I, I can do my best. He at least answers your questions. He doesn't just look at you like you lost your mind. That's certainly a start. Well, I think I'll help Mr. Goldthrush with that, if you don't mind. Perfect. Good. Um, hopefully that'll do it then. And in the meantime, Brock and I can finish the traps. Uh, yes, that uh, that should be easy enough. And so, uh, hopefully, my ability to sense things in the earth might uh, might make it possible to detect them easier. Oh yes, and when I was out uh, collecting wood, I definitely noticed that Box had one or two ten foot poles in his pile. So feel free to make use of those. Oh yes, I can do. I can work with that. I'm a very good trap maker. So. When you return to the material plane from whence you came, uh, you're not quite where you were standing. You're close by, though, uh, near a wall. And uh, you all split up to deal with your individual uh, 
quests. Uh, Riley, you head into the keep with freedom. Uh, Draxa lets you into the chamber with the skeletons. Leaf, you are paired with Void and are uh, attempting to convince uh, Zershan and Delrex to one way or another uh, leave this place. Brock, Shadow, you both are attempting to clear out the traps and uh, make some of your own. So for part of this, uh, we're going to go simple and relatively quickly. Uh, Brock, I need perception checks from you. And uh, Shadow, I need perception and disable device. So one thing Brock will be doing, though, is as we travel through kind of the halls of this place, he's going to be kind of basically taking a rock and like kind of tapping it along the, uh, the side of the wall and using tremor sense. Okay, I, I will take that into account. Got a 22 on my perception. My disabled device is a, oh, that's a nat 20, so it's a 30. Uh, I only got a 16 on my perception. Um, okay, so with your tremor sense, uh, a 16 is more than enough to detect the fairly, like when you can see inside the walls, essentially, it's fairly obvious what is solid wall and what is not. Uh, and you don't necessarily have to use anything fancy to trigger these. You can lift 75 pounds worth of rocks and just drop them on the triggers. So you deactivate by activating. Uh, whereas, uh, and you could actually technically even, if there's loose stone inside the wall anywhere, just jam traps in that fashion. Though that's less safe because eventually that might fail. Yeah, no, uh, basically, I mean, if it's something simple that he can tell, just like dropping a thing on there, I'll just, you know, harmlessly cause whatever it is to activate. He'll do that. If it's something that he doesn't understand, he'll point it out to Shadow and let her screw with it since she said she's good with traps. So if it's something that he thinks is more complex, he'll just let her deal with it. But if it's something simple, then yeah, he'll just get it out of the way. So I think then Brock takes care of all the wall, floor, and opening based traps and uh uh shadow will take care of all the door and trap door based traps uh and so you clear them out pretty well given those roles uh and i suspect that you're moving along carefully to do this especially with the tremor yeah. sense quite easy uh, she do. does want to say one thing while as they're moving along brooke See, I call you this now because I did not know. I thought all this time you were a dwarf and then I saw a dwarf and you were not one. Uh, and the void said that that is because you have blood in you that is from another plane. Uh, so Brock would actually probably be walking like with his eyes closed, just trying to focus on the tremor sense part. So like as he's walking, you know, just without opening his eyes, he'd just respond. He would say, well, uh, I am a dwarf. Just, uh, I suppose, a different kind. Oh, well, then I, am I supposed to say Mr. Leonhard still and not Mr. Brock? Um, uh, you can, you could call me whatever you want at this point, but it is true that I have stronger blood ties to the elements, but such, uh, 
such a thing is common in my family. The 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 earth makes you yes. I I suppose. That is kind of how it is with me, because the TO they exist because the shadow plane it uh it made us big kind of because uh, our ancestors were just humans and they were there for a long time and they they became kind of one with the plane. Um, I I do not suppose that I know the the exact reasons for why I am what I am, but. Well, I know as my father because is a dwarf, so the I suppose earth loves that makes me a dwarf. That is wrong. But I, it's because the earth loves you. Well, uh, that is what I choose to believe. I, uh, I would like to think that that is true, as uh, it does heed my call when uh, when I make requests of it, as uh, as I am doing now, I suppose. But uh, a quick question, as I've forgotten. Um, what is your elemental's name? Hadric. Okay, so at this point, Hadric, who has been wandering behind you uh, after you've cleared things, um, kind of, uh, you walk over a piece of the uh, floor, which is a little bit different. Um, it feels more natural solid like you can feel beneath you with your tremor sense that this stone reaches deep into the ground and uh so hadrig like jumps into it using his earth glide and is almost like swimming around in it oh look at the baby it's pain uh yeah brock would stop and just kind of wait for a moment and he would actually motion to i guess the stone as the uh I don't know if the elemental would be visible anymore. And I would say, I suppose uh, this is another uh, result of my connection to the earth, as you could say, as uh, it has gifted me with this. That must mean you are very special. Um, well, I, I suppose that has already been shown as uh, we have been selected for these tasks. So, maybe you were right. Maybe there is uh, some greater tie than uh, than I'd previously thought. Though, I uh, I still pale in comparison to the abilities of my father, in most cases. I do not know your father or your people but I think the earth loves you and I think that makes you special um, well thank you for that shadow and so after about half an hour of going through the keep seeking and finding and disabling traps you believe you've gotten them all There are some that are like uh, they kill hallway things where you can't really disable some of them, but you can just completely like fill them in with rocks and dirt to prevent them from being useful. So overall, the keep is safe 
in a trap sense. And let's see. Ah. One second here. You both had very good perceptions. And in one of the traps, uh, you find a uh, an old crushed skeleton. Within uh, the belongings of this skeleton, there is a small bag, which at seem at point some point it seems its body softened the blow of whatever crushed it. Uh, a sliding piece of stone. And the contents are relatively uh, undamaged. There inside is a roll of paper inscribed with a glowing ink. There is a wand and there is a rather sizable, about, about the size of your average D20, um, glittering, well-cut gemstone within that is clear. Um, Brock, you get bonuses on things for jewelry, don't you? Uh, yeah, I think so. Or you have craft jewelry, I think it is. Uh, I do, in fact, have, uh, yep, jewelry and gem cutting. All right, give me a jewelry check. <laughs> there you go. Uh, natural one for an eleven. This is a this is a big gemstone. It's probably a relatively common kind. Um, hey, uh, Shadow, do you have a praise? <laughs> No. Okay. But Shadow wouldn't be going through a dead man's things either. That's fair. Well, uh, Brock would still be kind of, uh, because I, I imagine this stone is very, uh, very beautiful. So he, would, very he would still be kind yes. of, uh, kind of absorbed with. What I'm only guessing, due to the fact that you're pointing out how common it is, is probably a big ass fucking diamond. But uh, <laughs> somehow, I, he has no clue what it is. Uh, but he would he would still be, you know, kind of observing. It's it. probably the bad lighting. Yeah, hope. Yeah, one one would think. He's he's looking at it with his trimmer sense. He's not used to that. <laughs> he's still not using his eyes. Uh, but yeah, I mean, he'd, he'd he'd still observe the stone and kind of kind of appreciate what I what I would assume is a, a beautiful gem, though uh, knowing nothing about 
magical ink and wands, he would probably save that to hand off to Leaf at a later point in time. Okay. But you go ahead and clear those traps out, and then the rest of your responsibilities for the time is digging and sticking sharp sticks in the ground. So, uh, no check needed on Brock's part, but go ahead and give me a trap craft trap making, uh, Tracy from Shadow. Uh, I rolled a 15, I get a plus eight. Plus eight, so that's 23. It's a pretty decent spike trap. Very long spike trap. Goes around the building. Right. As we are kind of approaching our break, I will go with what I expect will be the shorter of the next two groupings and go with uh, Riley and Freedom. Wow, really? My solo combat encounter is going to be shorter than Leaf talking to some guys? It's nuts. <laughs> so. Oh, you're actually getting out the grid, too. Wow, way to go, Sean. I didn't know uh, you had this all prepared. Yep. What's that, 15 skeletons? Be... God, this is going to take forever. No, it's actually more than that. <laughs> the, <laughs> the important part, though, is that they are absolutely no threat to you. <laughs> <laughs> Good, yeah. Well, I'll never say that. <laughs> Anything can roll a nat 20. It has to be able to reach you to hit you. Hmm, that's fair. So you're in this room. There are uh, six cells along along the edge of this room. Each one, uh, upon inspection, you you have to have light in there with you, uh, as uh, you do not have dark vision. But you can tell that there are skeletons, and with the introduction of living people into the central chamber, they kind of group and cloister around these small openings where they can effectively see. And so you can see them, and there are a fair number of them. These cells were full of people at one point. And some dark energy or regret or necromancy or even just the saturation of death has brought these things back into an unpleasant state. Uh, it just... Real quick, noticing like the skeletons, um, <laughs> Riley just wants to lean in towards freedom a, little, freedom a little bit and just whisper, I just thought of this. How how do skeletons see? They don't, is, they don't have eyes. They see with their essence as, as with many things. They can only see so far they ones like this anyway don't think they have no mind no soul driving them it's just energy that is opposed to energy stored within those like you and I and other living beings they're nothing more than a force driven forward no more than you or I would seek to halt and destroy something that we would consider evil or 
violent, unnatural, even. Hmm. They view us in their unthinking way as something that should not exist. Opposed to them in every way, their antithesis. We are alive. And they just feel that. Yes. Huh. Interesting. As far as... uh, Were I to ask Void to come in here, you would likely take notice that they pay him little mind. Though some still, he is alive, but undeath runs through his veins. true undead, even a thinking one, they would not give a second glance to. Riley kind of nods. The nuance of it is perhaps lost on me. I don't know the exact function through which they see. Walls stop their senses like anyone with eyes. If they can't, if they wouldn't be able to see you, they still can't. But it seems more like they sense very weakly, perhaps, the energy of life. So in that sense, uh, a skilled uh, sneak could actually manage to stealth their way around Mindless Undead. Yes. So in that way, their sense of the living kind of just fills in the void of lacking, actually, the facilities to see and hear and all that. Indeed. There are many who study and focus more on these things, but it's not something I'm horribly concerned with. I understand at base why and why they exist and their overall function, but these are not souls twisted and tortured. These are simply bones drawn up by the energy of death itself. These creatures, they're only as evil as their drive to destroy the living, but they are uncaring in that matter. So it is often a wonder if they are truly evil. The antithesis to the living. Yes, I suppose that would place someone in a... uh, being thought of as evil. I certainly don't enjoy their presence, and apparently they don't enjoy mine. In their own way, they would love nothing more than to rip both of us apart in this moment. But there's no decision-making to it, no thought. Less so even than an animal. But I suppose it's time to deal with these. Yes, Freedom, thank you for satiating my curiosity. Let us return these creatures to whence they came. Indeed. And you'll notice that uh, 
he holds out his hand and unfolding from it is a singular uh, dark butterfly. He speaks uh, in a tongue that is somewhat familiar to you as you've heard similar words from Leaf on occasion when he casts. And the butterfly will begin to glow and it bursts forth into an entire swarm of these glowing butterflies and floods into one of the cells. A sharp ringing sound can be heard as well as the general clacking and almost struggle of these bones against these things that they seem incapable of harming. A few moments later, the swarm returns, compiling back into a singular butterfly. And no movement can be seen within the cell. Riley smirks and just mutters, you know, sometimes watching you folk cast spells really, really makes me uh, occasionally reconsider my choice of adhering to the blade. The sheer whimsy of it all, at the very least. There's a lot needed for it, and it doesn't suit everybody. And too much magic often causes its own problems. But I can send these bones to their rest without putting anyone in danger. And so I shall. And he once again casts another spell. The butterfly in his hand glows again and once again spreads apart into a swarm. And he does this several times again until all the skeletons, for the most part at least, lie broken and fallen. There is, however, from the final cell, some more sound still coming. Like bony sounds? You can't really tell. It doesn't sound like the creaking or clacking of bones, more like something shifting around. Oh, we should probably go have a, a little bit of a peeksy at that one, at the very least. And, uh, yeah, if, um, Freedom doesn't really have any ideas off the bat, um, Riley will suggest that he, uh, creep forward a little bit. Um, I mean, carrying a light or having a light obviously makes stealthing pretty difficult regardless, but, um, he's right. willing to take point and just go check it out to see what's up. Okay. So... Go ahead and make me a perception check. Yes. Um, that's a 15. All right. So when you look inside, you can see the skeletons clattered across the floor where they fell. And hanging from the ceiling, there's what appears to be a large bag uh, made out of something akin to canvas or jute you know a very like a potato bag almost mm -hmm. it's barely holding together and likely all the motion inside the room moments before has it swinging ever so slightly as it brushes the ground 
defeat watches for like a moment it doesn't it just seems to be momentum it doesn't seem to be moving on its own right like at this point the sounds have practically ceased and it's just kind of a hint of it moving okay <laughs> um burlap yeah. that's the word i was looking for yes you tried so hard great yeah um if it's you said it's almost like barely touching the floor as it's hanging so it's kind of a big bag yeah it looks like at one point it likely wasn't but the fibers have stretched and spaced uh, out so much that it now is okay yeah um and this is the last cell right like we've done yes everything else okay. uh, everything else is cleared out yeah, then uh, Riley's going to gesture for Freedom to approach a little bit, but Riley's going to... Um, <laughs> I hate to say poke it with a stick, but he's going to move forward and poke it with a sword. Uh, it doesn't make any movement on its own. Uh, you're aware that there's something that seems to have gathered into the bottom of the bag. Uh, poking at it, is it metallic or squishy or... It's uh you you can figure out pretty easily it's likely some kind of bone. Hmm. But you're perhaps also perplexed as to why this one and not the rest. Why was this one hanging in a bag from the ceiling? Yes. Um yeah, so uh once at that point Riley's going to kind of look over his shoulder and say um to be honest, my gut feeling is just cut it down to see what's inside, but I don't want to disturb any sort of magical or sacred or religious or ritual things that are going on down here. Well, I don't sense any magic as um, he, he mumbles some words and his eyes glow ever so slightly. And I can hardly imagine that if this is a religious ritual, that it was a good excuse me, that it was one with any good intent. Well, then we have to clean up this place one way or the other, so it's bound to happen. Riley will cut down the bag. Alright, so you cut down the bag, it, it practically tears away under its own weight after the first few fibers have, uh, have shredded. And you find in the bag a skeleton almost fused together scorch marks on small parts of the bone where it seems like this person was likely burned alive and then placed within this bag for some horrid reason it clutched in its grasp is a much smaller skeleton that of likely an infant and you can also tell that these bones don't belong to a human, given how light they are. Most likely, elf. You feel something on your shoulder, but you also know that uh, freedom is not standing adjacent to you. For reference, the, um, the the skeletons that were down here that have been dispatched, were they human? Uh, for the most part, you've definitely noticed a few elven skeletons. Okay. 
but for the most part, they seemed human. There's likely a dwarf or a halfling in there somewhere, but mostly human, yes. Uh, so uh, Riley's going to close his eyes momentarily to gather his composure, take a deep breath, and then kind of uh, glance to see if there's anyone or anything standing over his shoulder. You look over your shoulder and you feel more than you see but it's a familiar presence one that aided you in the fight against Mansfield when you went back in your dream uh, the the warrior Cephalex you feel his yes. spirit um, and it, his presence is too weak, you feel, to give any visual sign or true speech, but he seems to be urging you to do something. Pleading. Um, Riley kind of mutters, um, uh, I think I know. And um, then he like speaks up a little bit louder, mostly so Freedom can hear him. And he says, the uh, bones in the bag, uh, an adult and an infant, I, they don't belong down here. Um, I know that we slew many undead here, but these bones need to... I know they deserve a proper burial. So... That can certainly be arranged. I think all of these do. But if you have a particular feeling, these are more pressing. And very well. Yes. Um, for a lot of reasons. And uh, Riley's going to very carefully uh, make sure that it's possible to move the remains without desecrating them or breaking them or anything like that. Uh, you're able to, uh, to lift it. Uh, it will. Um, they will, uh, kind of fall apart, uh, just because they've been essentially undisturbed for so long and the heat wasn't enough to truly fuse the bones in a meaningful way. But uh, you're able to collect them as respectfully as possible using the burlap and, and extricate them. Yes. Um, what Riley will do, because I know the burlap's in really terrible condition, so he's going to... Uh, since it's one of the first things he thinks that he'll either run up and like get a different bag or he'll like grab his own personal blanket to use to carry either way he's going to get a different way to transport these in that uh, old burlap um, and then yeah it's carrying it out there and um, putting the remains in a safe place and he's going to uh, personally set out to find a good place to um, give them a proper burial 
and he'll probably man digging the hole himself. Alright. So, with that, we'll come back next time. Hi there, my name's Don. I'm a proud patron of this podcast you just listened to. I'd like to take a moment to talk about some of the projects that I work on. When I'm not listening to Tracy, Sean, and the rest of the gang tell wonderful stories using the Pathfinder rules, I like to make podcasts of my own. I'm the GM in the Starfinder homebrew adventure Hexgrid Heroes. On the other side of the GM screen, I play Cory in Pokemon Seicho and Peleus in Ashes and Allomancy. I also like to sit around and talk with my friends about how horror movies can be used in a haunted house setting, and for that, check out Fountain of Fear. All of these podcasts can be found at hexgridheroes.com. Hey everyone, thank you for listening to this episode. I'm Brian, I run Action Forge, a tabletop RPG YouTube channel where we dive into all sorts of topics. If you want to learn more, head over there and check it out. Also, if you want updates on all my various projects and some awesome tabletop RPG memes, go ahead and check me out over at Twitter where I'm at ActionForge. Good day. This is Dick Horney, inviting you to explore the world of Dustress, a unique homebrew setting within an Elder's Dream Games universe. Come along as the Hive Queen leads a gambler. Cowboy motherfucker with six shooter. I ain't never moved cattle in my life. I am a gambler. A Native American. He, he doesn't have a lifetime of eating processed food, so he probably is actually quite regular. And a Detroit teenager. Okay, so we're rolling into elves, aliens, and troll dolls. Through discovery of new magical abilities, struggle with the reality of unknown gods, and maybe learn a little bit about themselves along the way. Visit Eldritch Dream and Dustress Podcast on Twitter for details. They took to the stars and became stars. So it says here you're from another galaxy? Yeah, Milky Way. I don't think I'm ever going to get used to saying that. A band that influenced entire galaxies. Sector 8, let's make some... Until their inevitable downfall. Fuck you, and fuck you too, Switzerland. Thanks for having my fucking back. Now, 20 years later, they find themselves unpleasantly reunited. James, what are you doing here? We had an entire motherfucking galaxy and you show up on this place. In a place where things are not what they expected. One of our staff members just happened to go missing this morning and uh, I kind of had to... Travis? I understand. Why the uh, fuck do you have a guitar? (laughs) LCP D&D presents Odyssey, a musical actual play adventure set in space using the Savage World system. Listen in by searching for LCP D&D on your favorite podcast platform or find us at lcpdnd.com. A hero once arose to save the world from a darkness that smothered the land. He failed. For a thousand years since, the world has been a wasteland of ash and mist, oppressed by an immortal emperor, the Lord Ruler. Every attempt at rebellion has failed miserably, yet hope remains. Two brothers learning to harness the metal-fueled magic known as Allomancy. Their aim? tip the scales in the war against evil. Ashes and Allomancy is an actual play TTRPG podcast using the Savage Worlds rule set and is part of the Hexgrid Heroes podcast network. If you would like to become a patron, check us out on patreon.com forward slash Eldritch Dream. 
Also, if you like the show, give us a review on iTunes. You can also find us in the Hive, that's our Discord, link in the description below. You can also find a link to our merch on SoNerdware.com. And find us on Twitter, at EldritchDream, at EternaP, and at Dustress Podcast. And until next time, everybody, may the Elder Gods haunt your dreams.